from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig with details. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi. Hey, everybody. How are you? Yeah. Hopefully great. I hope so. We can't hear you, so I know. you can scream all you want, but yeah, we don't know. Yeah, if you need know. to pause it and tell us about your day, feel free. Yeah. And here's a couple of responses that should handle any situation. <laughs> <clears throat> wow, that's awesome. Congratulations. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that, but I'm glad you're doing all right. What you need to keep in mind is that you are enough. You're always going to be enough, so forget him. Just set all his stuff on fire. Well, here's what I think you need to do. I think you need to pack your own parachute next time. <laughs> There's always room for improvement, okay? <laughs> goals are good, attainable goals. Hopefully one of those uh, was, was a good response to whatever <laughs> it is you're feeling right now. We'll keep working on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on our generic Just response. clip out one of those, play it back for yourself if it feels right. That's right. And I hope it helps. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Otherwise, welcome to the show. I know. <laughs> we're, we're providing more than just stories today. <laughs> we're trying to be a friend. We're trying to somehow have a back and forth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Speaking of back and forth, we have been getting some really lovely and wonderful feedback from you guys. That's true. Um, 
I mean, really, since the very beginning, a lot of y'all have been so so kind and sent yeah. so many lovely messages. Yeah. You guys, he's really, uh, they keep us going. You, know? uh, you don't know it's what so they nice do. It's so nice to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> For us. <laughs> that serotonin hit. Mm. It starts to feel like you guys are our friends, too. Yeah. Uh, which is really nice. Yeah. I like these connections we've been making. Mm -hmm. For example, Vineeth messaged us from India, and he said that he loves listening to the show on his commute, and he'll even go back to his wife after after he gets home from work and kind of recount the stories back to her again. Yeah, and he said she enjoyed that too, which is great. Yes. We don't want our podcast to cause marital <laughs> strife, <laughs> where she's like, shut up about oh your podcast, jeez. Yes, I know. <laughs> what they say today. Mm -hmm. Oh, they sound very funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're glad that uh, that y'all are enjoying sharing these stories together. Mm -hmm. um, also, my sister Molly finally listened to her very first podcast episode ever. Right, <laughs> weird. She listened to the Deland McCullough episode. Um, Molly has an amazing adopted son, mm -hmm. little Matthew, and he's awesome. Oh, and uh, And my mom had messaged her and said, listen, you got to listen to this episode. You'll mm -hmm. you'll actually appreciate it. So she finally put a podcast on first time ever. <laughs> she there's nothing she loves to say more than, oh, I, I don't listen to podcasts. I don't even listen to my brother's podcast. <laughs> I think that gives her like a nice really? defense. Yeah. Like, don't even try to push a podcast on mm -hmm, me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but now she can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> broke the seal. And Paige, who has always got our back on Instagram, yeah, she, yeah, she is usually commenting or, or has reached out before, and we we love we love her. Yeah, hi Paige. Hey Paige, we're fans. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she messaged us with just the sweetest note, wishing us a happy six month anniversary because we were like halfway through our first year. Yep. And also kind of gave a love note for the aliens, our alien. Oh characters. yeah, yeah. What were their names? Um. Oh God! Oh my God! Oh my God! Of course. Uh, my name. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I am back. I can't believe that you forgot our names when we've met so many times. I am named Ozark. And I am Gleepclor. Gleep. Gleepclor. 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 That's the one. Gleepclor. Thank you, Paige. We love you too, Paige. We love you too. That's why we keep coming back. <laughs> we... One day we'll abduct you onto our ship, just like Betty and Bonnie Hill. <laughs> Uh, also very excited for the six-month anniversary approaching on Friday. It will have been 52 episodes of Con Ridiculous Romance. Congratulations, Our 52. favorite podcast. Boy, you guys um, you guys just really know how to crash an episode, don't you? Mm -hmm. Man, forget you. Let's go to Paige's house. Wow. Wow. Now, I, I don't know whether I like that or... I mean, you're <laughs> leaving, which is good, but... Uh, oh, okay, you're gone. Bye. All right, bye. Jeez. All right. Well, thanks, Paige, for invoking that little interruption. No, I hope you enjoy <laughs> if they actually make it to your house. It'd be super weird if they know where you live, though. <laughs> Paige also said that she'll even sometimes like hold off on listening to some of our episodes so that she can put one on to make a bad day better. Aww. Which is like so nice. That I just... love making somebody's bad day better. Means a lot. Yes. It, means it a really lot does. To us. It really does. So, yeah, thank you to all of you for any sweet message you've sent. Um, even if we don't share it on the show, just know that it's currently being embroidered onto a sampler to hang <laughs> on the wall yeah. and look at forever. Yes. <laughs> as soon as I learn to embroider, it's happening. Yes. <laughs> You're not going to learn to embroider. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we also, of course, sometimes get 
from you all very awesome episode suggestions. It's true. And this one was suggested by Violet on Instagram. Violet said, quote, I thought since you seem to be making an effort to not just do cishet couples, and they were so pioneering that this couple would be a great story for you. I love your podcast. Please keep it up. Yes. Thank you, Violet, for noticing we are making an effort <laughs> <laughs> to not do just cishet couples. It doesn't take an effort necessarily. I think mm-hmm. if you just kind of let yourself open up a little bit. Definitely, definitely. Um, but it, it certainly is intentional to yeah. pick couples that are not always white, straight American people. Right. This is a great story. I'm so, so glad that Violet suggested this one. Um, we're going to be talking today about Lily Elbe and Gerda Wegener. And this is like a big, huge, epic story. And there's just so much information out there. Mostly, this is going to be coming from Lily's own memoir, which is titled Man into Woman. Mm-hmm. Um And obviously, there's been a lot of advancement in both science and language surrounding trans identity since since this book was written and since her life experience. So we did try to use, you know, her story from her book Mm -hmm. and then some more modern resources to kind of sort of interpret it and analyze it a little bit. But we also didn't want to truncate this story for you because it's really very interesting. These are really fascinating people. So we are going to break this one into two parts just so we can really give it like the time it deserves. Mm-hmm. So Einar Magnus Andreas Wegener was born in Denmark. When he was attending the Royal Danish Academy of Fine Arts in Copenhagen, he met Gerda Gottlieb and it was love at first sight. These two creatives married young, they cut a swath through the art world, his landscapes won prizes, her colorful art deco paintings were really popular. But one day, Gerda's model, Anna, was unable to come to a portrait session, and Einar agreed to stand in for her. But once Einar put on Anna's dress and shoes, something within him was stirred, and he would need his wife's love and support while he figured out who he really was. So let's hear the story about Lily Elbe, born Einar Wegener, one of the very first people to receive gender reassignment surgery, and her loving wife, Gerda. Oh, I am very interested. Let's go. Yeah. Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show, Ridiculous Romance. A production of iHeartRadio. Um, so real quick, right off the bat before we get started, usually when it comes to a story about a transgender person, we we don't like to, you know, we don't want a dead name. Right. And use their old pronouns because transgender people have said that can be very harmful. And in fact, Lily has some thoughts about this herself that are very interesting that we'll get to later in the story. Um, but it's and, and also kind of very illuminating. It's mm-hmm. like a really interesting discussion. But Einar and Lily are referred to essentially as two separate people in Lily's recollections in her memoir. So in the interest of like telling her story the same way that she did, we're going to treat it the same way. During the first part of her life, we'll talk about Einar, uh, who uses he him pronouns. And once she begins to call herself Lily and use she her, we will do that as well. Yeah. So we're going to kind of follow her journey. Yeah. You know, as it unfolded. Yeah. Of course, if you were speaking to Lily today, you would not probably call her Einar or right. he him. That would be very rude. Right. Einar was born in Denmark in 1882. 
the youngest of four children. Um, and he was a fair-skinned, blonde kid with kind of long hair. So he says he was sometimes mistaken for a girl. Um, one time on the playground, some classmates of his put a girl's hat on his head, and they were kind of laughing about how much he looked like a girl. Mm. And then when the headmaster caught him in the hat, he thrashed him for wearing it. Oh, rude. And it really pissed Einar off because he was like, my classmates put put it on me. I didn't even yeah. want to put this thing on. Right. He wrote later in his memoir, Man into Woman, that he, quote, did not realize until many years later why my old teacher had then felt it his duty to punish me. We poor humans, what do we know about ourselves? How much less about our neighbors? Because he was built on more delicate lines than his classmates, he displayed more daring. You know, mm. he was more willing to get into scrapes on the schoolyard right. or climb the tallest tree or something. You know, he was trying to prove that he was a, a boy and to, masculine. Yeah, and overcompensate strong. his, his yeah. masculinity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He even tried to make his voice sound deeper before puberty even happened. Mm. Like he was just like, people were making fun of my high voice, so I would try to talk like deeper. Right, right. And he called it his first dissimulation. Oh, interesting. Now, he got more and more interested in art, although his father tried to discourage him and point him in a more, like, practical direction. That sounds like, familiar. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Son, you want to be an artist? I don't think so. Why can't you be something more masculine, like a bridge builder? Yeah. <laughs> or a, uh, 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 a something... postal worker. Yes. What do they do? A postal worker. <laughs> the most masculine of professions. Listen. Delivering the mail. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I don't know why it mattered. His dad was like, it's practical, okay? Everybody needs mail. They're going to pay you for it. Yes. It's a great job. So eventually his family realized that he wasn't going to do anything else. So they were like, all right, fine. Mm -hmm. Off you go to the Royal Danish Academy of Fine Arts in Copenhagen. And he was 19 years old when he went off. So it was 1901. And this is where he met Gerda Gottlieb. Gerda was also from the provinces of Denmark. She was a vicar's daughter in a very conservative family. But she managed to convince them to send her to the Arts Academy as well. I assume a similar argument with her right. family. No, Gerda, you need to be a woman. <laughs> you can't be an, I mean, what is the argument there? You can't be an artist. We need you to be something practical, <laughs> like a housewife. Uh, don't make a painting, make a baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now, when they met, it was love at first sight. During the day, their classes were divided by gender, but the evening lectures were mixed, and they always sat right next to each other. They were inseparable and, quote, indescribably happy in each other's company. And then in 1904, when Einar was 22 and Gerda was 18, they went and got married. They worked as illustrators with Einar painting landscapes and Goethe illustrating books and fashion magazines. And she also painted portraits and was working on one with the Danish actress Anna Larsen. One day, Anna was going to be late for a sitting, so she called Goethe to let her know, you know, she's running late. And Goethe was, like, not happy to hear about this holdup. Mm. She's kind of like, I need to get this portrait going. She's like, hey, right. these actresses. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> always doing, always on their own time. That... I like how everyone is the Swedish chef, even though they're Danish. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> sorry, D sorry, Denmark. <laughs> we, we don't know what you sound like. <laughs> Something like that. But Anna kind of had an idea. She said, cannot Einar pose as a model for the lower part of the picture? His legs and feet are as pretty as mine. Because <laughs> Anna knew that on a previous occasion, Einar had modeled as women's legs for Gerda. Mm. But in that situation, it had been more about 
capturing the, you know, the draping of a skirt. Right. So he didn't have to put on a dress. He just kind of like probably laid it over his lap or something. And right. she, she just kind of got captured the drape that she was looking for. Sure, or maybe sure. had the light lands or something like that. But Gerda went to Einar and told him what Anna had suggested. And Einar at first was like, no, I'm not going to dress up like Anna for your painting. Like, absolutely mm. not. That's crazy. But Gerda kind of coaxed with him and pleaded with him and joked about it and sort of was like, come on, get, come on. What's the big deal? Right. And he finally agreed. So they kind of had a good time putting on Anna's stockings and her dress and her heels. And Gerda even like dug up a wig for him to wear and like put makeup on his face and everything. And once they were done, they could not believe how good he looked. Gerda said, a perfect ladies model. You look just as if you had never worn anything but women's clothes in your life. Oh. And Einar realized that he liked the clothes. In fact, he, quote, felt at home in them from the first moment. Wow. Now, Gerda started to paint. And just then, Anna Larson walked in. At first, she didn't recognize Einar. But when she did, she loved it. Mm -hmm. She's like, perfect. Oh, this is such a good look for you. <laughs> she said he clearly had been a woman in another life. Quote, or else nature has made a mistake with you this time. Hmm. Einar planned to put his own clothes back on now that Anna was there to pose. But Anna said, quote, I couldn't bear to meet Einar again today and asked him to stay in the clothes. Then she named him Lily and they celebrated his christening day. Yeah, she said that he, he had to have a beautiful, melodious name oh, because yes. he looked so, he just was so beautiful. Lily. It had to, yeah. Yeah. She's like, you need a name to fit. Yeah. But they kind of, at this point early on, they kind of all were seeing it as sort of a big joke. Yeah. Um, that people, that bad he looked so good in the clothes mm -hmm. and everything and a few weeks after this, a big artist ball was being held and Gerda suggested that Lily should go with her and kind of be introduced to the art world. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, see see what happened. I you know, I think part of it too is the challenge of like will anyone recognize you, you yeah. know, stuff like that. And uh Lily was very popular at this party. She was solicited for many dances. She was kissed and grabbed by a bunch of dudes. Oh. She told one guy that she was really a man in woman's clothing, and he refused to believe her. And she even had to punch a guy in the face because he would not let her go. It probably happened to six other women at that party, too. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> She's like, I don't know why I already had a black eye, but I gave him another one. <laughs> now, I, I had an interesting time reading her memoir. Because as you mentioned, you know, at the top of the episode, we're, we're dealing with, you know, somebody who was in a different time period. Right. They didn't have the same tools as we have now to right. have this conversation. And it's partly because of her memoir that we have any of this, you know, any of these tools now. Just a foundation for it. Yeah. yeah. She, yeah. She, she really gave a lot of context of her experience right. by writing this memoir right. for people who came after her. But it's, it's, it is interesting to read because it seems like, I mean, she definitely wrote it so people wouldn't judge people like her mm -hmm. and so that they would understand her better and that they wouldn't think she, she was some kind of pervert or right, freak. Right, right. Um, and so there's so many times when she really wants to highlight, you know, as a kid, people thought I was a girl this time, this time, and this time. There's another time someone thought I was a girl. I like to push a pram around with my sister, you know, and then after she starts dressing as a woman, when she passes as a woman, she really wants you to know about that. She, yeah. she It really matters, you know, almost as if it's like, 
I don't know, more validating. Like, like she's like, see, see, see. Like she's pointing at all these examples throughout her life of like, I'm really a woman. See, see, see. Everyone knew it since I was mm-hmm, a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that you need to have been mistaken for another gender to, yeah. to have that battle going on in right. you. Um, but I think she thought that you did. Well, yeah, because I think also this will come up again and again mm-hmm. in her story that she was someone who grew up with a b- very binary idea right. of what a man and a woman was. Mm-hmm. And she fought very hard to make sure either one of those identities fit in the category of man or woman. Yes. Uh, through her sexuality at any given point in her life, yeah. through her presentation, through how other people treated her. Right. You know, she she definitely thought men are one thing, women are another, Einar is one thing, Lily is another, mm-hmm. you know, that that comes up, that becomes very clear throughout her life. Yes. That she felt that way. And it, and it adds a challenge to it, you know, and looking at it from today, I think. Definitely. Because, yeah, there's several times in the memoir where she's really quick to point out that Einar is not gay. Einar is not gay. There's right. Einar never liked men. You know, like she's just really worried that you'll think Einar is gay. Right. And she wants you to know he definitely, definitely was not. Like uh-huh. it really matters. Yep. And similarly with Lily. Right. That she's not gay either. She's not she gay doesn't, either. She doesn't like women. Right. You know, that that, these are that two different be... people with two different, you know, identities and sexualities. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's just, it's very interesting and it's just something to keep in mind because, again, we're trying to keep as many of her own words as possible. Mm-hmm. So it's just something to keep in mind as we talk. We just have a lot more tools now than we, than she did. Yeah. So some of the ways she talks about herself and sexuality and gender roles and stuff like that is probably seems pretty quaint sure, now. Sure. You know what I mean? So Einar is going out as Lily more and more now. And Gerda starts to paint Lily a lot now as well. In fact, Lily becomes her favorite model. So they're starting to become somewhat famous in Copenhagen. Her paintings of Lily were really popular and they sold really well. But rumors were kind of starting to circulate that Gerda's favorite model was actually her husband in a dress. And that was kind of weirding some folks out. Mm -hmm. So in 1912, Gerda got an invitation to exhibit her paintings of Lily in Paris. And off they went to Paris because here it was a little more liberal and Einar could live as Lily more easily and more frequently, more comfortably. Yeah. Before we go to Paris with... Lily, Einar, and (laughs) Gerda. Let's uh, let's just take a quick commercial break. Yeah. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. 
This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And welcome back to the show. Einar and Gerda have gone off to Paris to do some artwork there with the Parisians, the much more accepting and liberal Parisians. Mm. Yeah, and at, at this point, Einar and Gerda both are kind of seeing Lily as a separate person. Mm. Like they talk about her like she's just not in the room, for example. Right, like, right. Like they talk about Einar when Lily... Lily is there and yeah. Einar's not. Oh, do you think Lily's coming over tonight? Yes. No, she's can, getting her hair done. Do you think Lily can come over tonight? I'd like to see her. I'd like oh, to spend some time with her. I'll go talk to her. I'll see. <laughs> can, hey, Peter, can your friend Spider-Man come over? <laughs> I'd really like to meet him. Yeah, he'll be at the party uh, <laughs> tomorrow night. And Einar says that Lily kind of became something of a playmate for Gerda in these early days. Gerda was kind of melancholy. Uh, Lily was carefree and serene. So sometimes when she was feeling sad, I guess Gerda would be like, hey, can I, I'd like to hang out with Lily. Yeah. She'll make me feel better. Yeah. Um, but Einar didn't, at this point, wasn't dressing like Lily or living like Lily all the time. Um, in fact, he says they spent an entire year in Italy together without him once dressing as Lily. Mm. A year that Einar calls the most carefree year I ever passed with Gerda. Wow. And he thinks it's because Italy was like less oppressive than Denmark. And so Gerda didn't need, you know, she her mood was fine or whatever. So she didn't okay. feel the need for Lily. And so they just never, they never brought her up it around. Was, it was less oppressive for Gerda. For Gerda, yeah. yeah not yeah. so much about the Lily versus Einar situation, but just like Gerda was a little more allowed to be herself. So she was happier. So they went home to Paris and they still didn't talk about Lily much. 
they discovered that their hotel room there was the same room that Oscar Wilde had spent his final days. So they spent a lot of their time reading his work to each other. Einar called them lovely evenings. And one day, Gerda was invited to contribute to a magazine, and she was wondering what she would be able to offer because she didn't know any models in Paris. So she asked Einar if Lily would be willing to oblige. And Einar was like, you know, sure, Lily can come by. And Gerda paints Lily, and their contributions sold really well. So well, in fact, that they were able to settle in a studio in Paris. Yeah. And for a while, I think even for several years, it seems, Lily only appeared when Gerda needed a model. Right. Um, otherwise, they're they're just happy and busy. They lived in Paris and Versailles. Mm. They were both painting successfully. They built up this real great circle of friends and arts acquaintances. And everything's just kind of going great career-wise for them. And then at one point, they traveled to Capri. And a guy there, you know, was kind of just like saying that he could always tell when a man was trying to impersonate a woman or when a woman <laughs> was trying to impersonate a man. Anyone with I, sense can tell the difference. I like that it uh, that this just came up casually in conversation. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I've been thinking lately? <laughs> it's real easy for me to tell when a man's dressed up as a woman. Anybody else ever get that? He's like doing his, <laughs> yeah. his tight five yeah. before dinner. <laughs> But, of course, Gerda could not resist this challenge. She thought that was so funny that he was talking about that. So she, like, looks over at Einar, and Einar is immediately like, mm-hmm, we're going to have to prove this guy wrong. And so the very next day, Gerda went out with her new friend that no one had ever met before, a tall, lovely lady named Lily. Oh. And everyone in their circle in Capri was, like, super into Lily. This guy met her and was just like, what a lovely woman. You know, he like never suspected anything about Einar. Uh-huh. Um, so they did fool him. Oh, they totally fooled that yeah. guy. Yeah. <laughs> Which must have been he, very satisfying. He goes up to Lily and he's like, hey, lady, you know one thing about me that I always like to tell people? I can always tell the difference between when a man is dressed up as a woman mm-hmm. and the real thing. Well, anyway, that's my that's my time. Thanks, folks. Good night. <laughs> And then, you know, people, of course, were kind of like, oh, Gerda, where's Einar tonight? You know, and she would just pretend that Einar and Lily didn't get along very oh. well. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> they don't nice. like each other. To kind of explain away why he wasn't with them. Wow. Now, at this point, Einar started living like Lily more and more. He said that at first, Lily would immediately go change back to Einar when the portrait sessions were over or when visitors would drop by. But now Lily would hang out and chat and stay or or remain in her clothes all evening, Einar started to feel like Lily, who he was beginning to see as a separate entity within his body. He was more and more reluctant to let Einar have the body back. Mm. So it became this like, we're both in here, these sort of two identities, Mm -hmm. and we're sort of trading time. Um, It really kind of setting up this idea that there's a competition for control. Right. um, Which is going to play out more and more. Yeah. Then they met a sculptor who invited them to take part in this performance he was putting on. So Gerda was responsible for painting the set. She Hmm. spent the whole day scene painting. Yeah. But it came time for curtain, and one of the actresses had not shown up. Oh. And it wasn't like a big part. She's like, actresses, you know, know. they're always not showing up when you you need them. cannot rely (laughs) on an actress. Well, okay, I might be the Swedish chef. But that was like... You cannot rely on an actress. That's... <laughs> <laughs> She's my Gerdes from Russia, apparently. <laughs> uh, 
Well, anyway, so this actress hadn't shown up. She had kind of a minor part, but they couldn't do it without the play without her. She had uh-huh. like a couple lines that had to be said or whatever. So the friend is like, hey, Gerda, come on. You're a lady. Get up there. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and Gerda's like exhausted from painting all day. She's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, my French friend Lily might do it. Oh. Einar, what do you think? Would you go get Lily? <laughs> and Einar's like, sure. And he went to change quickly into Lily. He performed this this minor part as this Parisian woman. Hmm. And no one had any idea that I that it was Einar under yeah. there. Yeah. And so now at this point, they they had started claiming that that Lily was Einar's sister. Oh, okay. Um, and that whenever she was out with Gerda and Einar wasn't there, they would just say Einar was, was sick or he was real busy with work or something mm. and he just couldn't come. So yeah. I brought my sister-in-law with me. Here yeah. she is. Nobody was ever like, well, I've never seen you two same. in the same place at the same time. No, it's like a Clark Kent thing, yeah. I guess. You put, put, here, Lily, put on these glasses. <laughs> I just want to check something. Now, this was the night that Lily first met an art dealer named Claude Prevost. He played a minor comic role in the play, Einar describes him as having, quote, a droll lightning wit and completely irregular features and colorless, somewhat deep-set eyes, the whole capped by a funny, pointed nose. At first glance, he would probably appear ugly, but if one looked at him somewhat longer, one would become conscious of a remarkable geniality and kindliness which his whole personality radiated. She's got a lot of words. Oh, yeah. 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 But I, I do like that, that she was like, yeah, I mean, you know, describing him, he doesn't sound like an attractive man. Right. He was attractive. There yeah. was something really attractive about him. And it yep. was because he was just had this lovely, kind heart. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like the uh, the energy a person radiates says mm-hmm. more about them than what you see on the surface. Yeah. You know? Huh. 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 What do you know? <laughs> Claude had... No interest at all in Einar. But when Lily was around, he asked for her to dance with him all night. And another time, he escorted Lily back to her hotel after this water carnival they went to. And he said to her, quote, However you dress up and whatever you want to make me believe, you are a genuine girl. And when Lily asked what he meant, he said, quote, Oh, nothing at all. Or is it something? But if I told Lily what I was just thinking... And what I have been thinking all day, her brother Einar would certainly be very angry with me. Mm. So uh, he figured it out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I love that he figured it out and then was like, when you're Einar, that's the fake to me. I don't know who that guy is. Lily's real for me. I don't know what you're playing around with these trousers for because (laughs) this is the real person. Like He almost saw her before she saw herself. It sounds like he was simultaneously like respecting these two different people Mm -hmm. and also kind of edging towards, but really though, come on, we all know. Who the fuck is Einar? Yeah, it's your Lily. Yeah. Which is so fat. I mean, again, because she hadn't even really accepted this whole thing about herself. It's so interesting that this guy was able to see that. Yeah. And and accept it. Right. And, and be like, I'm into this person. Right. And by then, Claude was a trusted friend of both Lily and Gerda. And Einar wrote that he was their, quote, brother and protector. And the friendship between them became ever more intimate and permanent. A friendship which stood every test. And Einar did notice that, you know, if Claude came over and Einar opened the door, 
Claude was perfectly polite mm-hmm. to Einar. They would like talk for chat for a couple minutes, mm-hmm. like guys do or whatever. And then he'd be like, "Well, I haven't said hi to Gerda yet. I'm gonna go see Gerda." And he'd, right. He'd run off to hang out with Gerda. Right. But if Lily answered the door, Claude hung out with Lily the whole time. Wow. He never asked to see Gerda or anything. Yeah. So he just was like, "I'm 100% Lily. Lily mm-hmm. is my gal." Team Lily. And, Hashtag Team Lily. Right? And maybe he was kind of a little uncomfortable, more uncomfortable around Einar because Einar felt like the, I don't know, not the fake, but the the front. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. But maybe he was just like, this isn't you, so I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't like this guy. I don't right. know this guy. Right. Still, at this point, again, Einar is living more and more like Lily. He's dressing more and more like Lily. He's going out more and more like Lily and everything. But it's still sort of a joke. Mm. It's kind of a real funny when they fool, quote unquote, fool a man. Right. Or or any friend of theirs. Like, right. it, especially if they know Einar and then they get introduced to Lily and they don't know the difference. It's like this hilarious. It's, it's just so funny and right. amazing. It's right. such a great joke. Um, Einar wrote about an incident when a baron danced with Lily at a party. And then the next day, the Baron showed up demanding to see Einar because he wanted to ask his permission to propose to his sister Lily. He had just been captivated by her the night before oh. um, and wanted to marry her. <laughs> and Gerda had to like come up with some excuses about, why, <laughs> oh, Einar's not here. He's, uh, ah, he, he went home or something to Denmark. Anyway, I'll let him know you're interested. Uh, bye. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> they like fell out laughing about it. But... It also was starting to become a bigger and bigger concern for both of them that, like, this person clearly mattered a lot to Einar. Yeah. Lily was really important, and she was becoming more and more frequently a guest, I guess you could say, in their life. Right. And Einar told her one day how sad and strange—he kind of brought it up with Gerda. He was like, "How, how sad and strange would it be if I never dressed like Lily again? Right. And Gerda confessed that she had started to feel really guilty about encouraging him to dress up as her model, you know, back when Anna had not been able to show up for this portrait. Uh-huh. And she said, quote, thus becoming responsible for a disharmony in you, which reveals itself most distinctly on those days when Lily does not appear. Interesting. Yeah. She she was like, I did this to you, I yeah. guess, because even though. That's debatable, obviously. Right, right. You know, it's not about your clothes that make you feel exactly. one way or another, or that that is particularly an awakening experience or something like that. Right. But it clearly was sort of the trigger for her. Right. Well, we kind of like, at this point, I think that, you know, they've been treating it sort of like you said, a joke, kind of like a a funny little prank, prank they're pull. pulling. But they've also given Lily a whole life mm-hmm. and relationships mm-hmm. and a personality. And Lily really exists now. Yeah. So you can also see how they're how sad she is to think, what if what if she went away forever? That's a whole person mm-hmm. um, who matters to other people, who matters to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you just see how tricky that that must feel at this point. And 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 she must feel the same way about Einar. Mm hmm. Herself, you know, saying, but, you know, Einar is a whole person with relationships and who matters to people. And they've almost created a very complicated. Um, this is this is I have recognized this is the worst analogy <laughs> to interject here, but almost like a Mrs. Doubtfire situation. Oh my God. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But <laughs> just saying that, you know, 
Lily herself has set up a world where she has to exist as both people. Yes. In yeah. full. And that that is becoming more and more difficult to navigate. Yes. And at some point, like one of these people is who she is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's... Of course, you know, we know that's Lily. But at this point in her life, she I don't think she understands who she is. No, not yet. Yeah. And I think that you're right. It's sort of like if you were fighting for 30 years or 20 something years. Right. To prove your masculinity to someone right. else, to other people. Right. Um, you wouldn't entertain thoughts about wearing women's clothes or something. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah, you, you would fight against them. Yeah, even you'd if be you like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, and then when he actually was wearing it and he felt so comfortable in them, mm-hmm. that might have been enough to, to kind of be like, hmm, there's, there's something more here than I had ever thought. Yeah. And then the more and more that he allows himself to be comfortable in that, those clothes and that skin sort yeah. of, for yeah. lack of a better word, the more comfortable it is. That's just all it is. It's right. just like the, the and the, the, the more and more he realizes Ina is starting to be less comfortable and Lil- Lily is more comfortable. You know right. what I mean? Right. And I think that is gradual. I don't think that's a, an out overnight thing. It's, it's fascinating. And of course, we can't, directly relate no but but i think this story is among the stories i've heard that helps me appreciate how difficult that transition must be Be Mm -hmm. because of those two because that's you know i I imagine that even if you're sort of like i really want to shed this person that i was that's there's attachments there there's a life there that has to kind of get set aside too. And I, I can't imagine, uh, and I just have so much, uh, uh, I don't know, respect, uh, just appreciation for what a challenge that must be. Yeah. You know, I've certainly never had to deal with that, but mm-hmm. this is a very, I think a very, um, certainly a dated, but clear example of having to deal with that. Yeah. And, that and change. trying to put into words that struggle. Right. It within yourself. Right. Like clearly for a period of time, they were like, cool, I can be both of these things. Right. And it's no problem. But as time went on, it became more and more clear that, no, you can't. Right. I need to. I there is not room for both of these people. Mm. You know, again, in their words, two different people living right. in this body. Right. And yeah, and so Gerda's feeling real bad because she sees that this struggle is becoming more and more of an issue for Einar every day that goes by. Because when Einar is Einar, he's withdrawn and depressed. He's kind of like low all day. But when he was Lily, she's joyful and carefree. And, you know, Gerda could tell the difference and so could Einar. And so they were starting to kind of be like, "Uh uh-oh, like there's, there's there's more going on here than we had thought right. originally. They felt that for him to stop being Lily altogether was tantamount to a murder. Right. Um, which is kind of like you say, it's yeah. like that's a whole person I who I love, who yeah. other people love, who right. I I care about. Yeah. I don't want her to go anywhere. But uh, you know, they were also like, but doing both of these things is not serving you. You're clearly very troubled right mm-hmm. now. Like it's it's tormenting you. And so Gerda's like, why don't we go see a doctor? And they go, but, you know, the doctor doesn't tell him anything useful. He prescribes him a nerve tonic. Of course. Of course it does nothing. Because he's yeah. like, well, you seem nervous. Anyway, here you go. Here, take some cocaine. Yeah, do some cocaine about it. <laughs> Call you in the morning. Here's some codeine and some cocaine. See which one works. 
Uh, so, of course, the, ni- neither of them worked. And, uh, yeah, Einar is just getting more and more depressed. He's, like, unable to paint. He's not doesn't, not sleeping well. He's really apathetic. He didn't want to do anything. Mm. Um, but Lily was happy. And so he yeah. was Lily more and more and more, staying for days. Lily would stay for days sometimes. Yeah. And then his friend, Johan Polsen, asked Einar to sub in for a ballet dancer in a performance. And Einar agreed. I mean, <laughs> that that alone is a lot. I don't. If you don't have experience in ballet, I know, right? Are you gonna sub in for a ballet dancer? In the memoir, he's like, he knew I wasn't a half bad dancer or something, and I was like, <laughs> half bad. Ballet is so hard. But I, you know, he's probably in the chorus. Why he's got to lift his leg, maybe turn so. a couple times, maybe. <laughs> you know, I was in the Nutcracker mm-hmm. when I was uh, really? much younger. Um, when I was, God, I it must have been like eight or nine. It was a touring show that came to Rochester, where, near where I lived, and I was I was in the Nutcracker, and the audition was for kids to come in, and yeah, we were we were background kids, like at the at the party sure. where uh, uh, what's his name, Josselmeyer, Jossel, mm-hmm. Vossel, the uncle gives her <laughs> gives her the Nutcracker. Oscar Meyer gave her. Oscar Meyer gave her a Nutcracker, <laughs> and uh, you know we're just at the party, and then there's a scene. There's like an intro to a scene before the curtain opens where we throw snowballs at each other. Anyway, there was very little dancing, dancing involved, but the audition was to like walk to a beat. Oh. And um, I, I crushed some of those kids. There, <laughs> some of them I was just like, man, this audition was really easy. How did they choose? You there was like eight of us. Beat. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that was a cool experience though. Got to be in a ballet. Got to watch this guy jump. I mean, in my memory, this guy jumped 30 feet in the air over Seriously. and over again. It was the the brother uh, who was I the mean, Rat King, and I was amazed. I'm on stage just like, how? How do you do that? Ballet is wild. I know. They look weightless. It's insane. Anyway, <laughs> Einar well, gets Einar asked. Einar could walk to a beat. So I Einar guess. could walk to a beat. <laughs> they ask him to come in, throw some snowballs at the Rat King. Uh, but during ballet rehearsals, he started to experience strange nosebleeds. And Goethe thought that he was just taking on too much, and she asked him to give up the part. But Einar was reluctant to leave his friend in the lurch. While dressing for the performance, and Einar is a male ballerina dancer in this. Yeah. This is not Lily coming in. This is Einar. Mm-hmm. And a man backstage mistook him for a woman anyway and slapped his ass. <laughs> I mean, like, that makes it okay. Well, I, I thought he was a woman. They were lady. <laughs> And another actor, seeing Einar in his costume for the first time, said he looked impossible in it. Like, no. That ain't you. You don't look right. Mm-hmm. Gerda even remarked that Einar's body seemed more feminine in its proportions and that he was starting to look strange in men's clothing. Just is interesting, right? Because yeah. I don't think his body was really changing at no, this point. No, it's got to be all perception and how he's carrying. I think so, yeah. I think they're just seeing him differently. Yeah. He's seeing himself differently, and so he's projecting kind of a different energy. And right, right. Other people are picking up on that. Right, maybe. right. Because at this point, there's nothing to have changed, but you know, physically yet. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I just think that's very interesting that they were all reacting to that Nothing but energy, really. Right, but yeah, perception. exactly. I mean, exactly. again. And it was affecting strangers. Right. You know, yeah. And Einar also describes, uh, quote, complete revolution in my character at this point in the, in the during the rehearsals for this ballet. Mm-hmm. He said that he had always been somewhat imperious and condescending, 
which doesn't make Einar sound great, I guess. <laughs> but now he felt a strong impulse to resign myself, to obey, to submit myself unconditionally to another will. Oh, boy. And he was like, you know, his old friend, J- Johan, he would never have just done whatever he said in the past. Mm-hmm. But now that they're rehearsing, he's like, I'm just like, sure, whatever you say, I'm following anything he says. When his friend so much as touched him, he says, quote, I felt so confused, I did not know where to look. And he's real quick to follow this up with, in all these psychic disturbances, nothing of an erotic nature played the slightest part. Mm. In this respect, Johan and I had thoroughly sound natures. So again, this is where we're kind of coming up on some homophobia, like some some really old ideas about gender roles and and sexuality and everything. Yeah, yeah. Because Einar is kind of like the more submissive he becomes, he's kind of saying that's him becoming more womanlike. Right. Um, a man wouldn't be this submissive, so mm-hmm. it must be me becoming more of more of Lily. Right. Uh, and women are submissive, so that's it. You right. know. Which right. I, I don't uh, particularly like No, <laughs> I mean, again, it just goes back to this idea that these are people living in a very rigid binary structure of what manhood and womanhood yeah. is supposed to be and is like. Yeah. And then, yeah, he's just so worried that we're going to think that he's gay, uh-huh. that Einar is gay. And he's just like, no, 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 no. I have a sound nature, uh-huh. you know, which is kind of fucked up. Right. And he's like, it's just this that I'm it's my womanness that's making me shy and submissive around men in authority. It's it's nothing to do with sexual feelings or anything. That's just how women feel around men. So that's how I feel around men. Mm -hmm. Mm. It's weird. It's tough. I mean, like it it goes to show that like just being a person on the LGBTQ spectrum Mm -hmm. does not come with, you know, enlightenment in your ideas about (laughs) what sexuality and gender are like. Yeah. That still comes through a lot of, you know, uh, conversation and respect and openness and, you know, and again, this is a a rigid time. Yeah. Some rigid people who were going through something totally new to them. Sure. um, And it didn't automatically grant them insight and perspective on, on the, limitless boundaries you know of, of that come with gender where you know mm-hmm. he's einar saying a man looks like this a woman looks like this we know now that there's no there is no answer to that there's mm-hmm. nothing a man doesn't look like any one thing a woman doesn't look like any one thing right. not all people are either men or women mm-hmm. you know all that well and men can feel sexual attraction for men oh, and yeah, it doesn't absolutely. mean that you have a unsound nature <laughs> yeah, you know or yeah, something or that, that you're the, some freak or something right but before we get lost in in all this conversation we're gonna take a quick commercial break we're gonna come back with uh the third act in the first part of this story about Ina and lily and gerda yeah we'll be right back I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. 
Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Welcome back to the show. So Einar and Gerda were getting desperate for answers. Mm-hmm. Einar is still experiencing nosebleeds randomly, and he said they were accompanied by pain as well as bouts of sobbing. Later on, he began to see these nosebleeds as his body's way of menstruating. And he went to see a couple doctors. One of them told Einar that he could tell there were some irregularities going on with his body, but that he was healthy and there was nothing to worry about. And that made Einar decide that he had two beings in his body, one a man and one a woman. And the woman, quote, was in the process of gaining the upper hand. Mm. The nosebleeds seemed to be further proof of this to him, as well as his body becoming subtly more feminine. Right. Where people were going, you don't look right in men's clothes and stuff. He really felt like this was like inside... Lily was being like, I'm taking over. I'm mm-hmm. kicking you out. Right. You know, he's like, he's gone from Spider-Man to Venom at this point. <laughs> Venom. For the for the second worst analogy of the episode. Terrible. <laughs> we apologize to everyone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, of course, obviously, this is a terrible time emotionally for Einar. He's going through a real crisis here. He's more and more disturbed. He's restless. He's depressed. He feels tortured in his body, like literally. And Gerda decided, you know what, let's get some sunshine, let's get some warmth, 
you'll feel better if we go somewhere. Let's go to the beach. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, you'll feel better if we go to the beach. I get that. That's usually my solution to problems as well. (laughs) And so they went to Italy. And (laughs) (laughs) sure, yeah. I would love you know, to go to Italy. You'll feel better if we go to the beach in Italy. <laughs> I will feel better. Something <laughs> tells me I will, actually. Even if I feel the same, I'll still be on a beach in Italy. All right. Uh, kind of reminds me of Dorothy Putnam. She's oh, like, yeah. every time something's wrong, going to South America. <laughs> yeah, taking a cruise. <laughs> so when they got to Italy, they met up with a friend named Fernando Porta, and they went to have dinner together. And at one point, Einar realized during this dinner that Gerda was, like, smiling. She's laughing. She looks younger than ever. Fernando's, like, beaming at her and making her feel great. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of started to feel like just this total waste of space. You know, he's despondent. He's like, I'm weighing Gerda down. You know, she's, she's, I'm just a sick man. The only reason she's with me is because she knows no one else understands me. Yeah. I'm a burden. I'm an albatross around her neck. Ah, oh, damn. Life, ha- you know, held no attraction for him anymore. And he thought, you know what? It would just be better for everyone if I just died because ah. then Gerda would be free and so would I. I wouldn't be tormented anymore by, by these problems that I'm experiencing that I can't even put into words that no one can tell me what's going on. It was the end of April 1929. And Einar made himself a promise. He said, in a year's time, on May 1st, 1930, if I have not found a doctor to help me, I'm going to kill myself. And after he decided that, he actually was feeling really relieved because he was like, now I know my tormented life will be over one way or the other a year from now. I have got a year left of this horrible pain and torment, and then it'll all be over. Which is so sad that he was like... Just feeling just so dark, I guess, that that he was like, it'd be better to be dead. I, I would rather jump into a river and drown. Well, and that and that this made him feel better, you know, yeah. and, and that's, I think, just important, too. It, it, you're not your identity isn't a burden to anyone, you right. know, it's uh, certainly not who matters. And mm-hmm. uh, this is just such. Uh, yeah, it's it's a really upsetting that he found comfort in that outlook and that he didn't have something better something to help them through this process yeah uh and and even though there were people who cared about both einar and lily it still was so emotionally challenging to go through this i think that just shows how important you know mental health care is Mm -hmm. now that we have more advanced versions of it than we had back then Mm -hmm. that all kinds of circumstances can can lead to this sort of behavior. It doesn't have to be that, uh, you know, oh, people are treating me like shit all the time. You can have a good support group and still need help. Yeah. It uh, can be something it, internal. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. No one has any idea. Right. And and I mean, it's really hard to transition now, today, right, in right. 2021. It's incredibly hard and challenging and heart-wrenching and... You have to deal with all kinds of conversations and who's going to, you know, accept me and who isn't. And, you know, yeah. and we have so much more at our disposal than Einar right, had. Right. I, Einar had none of this. Yeah. So uh, it's like the torment that we already expect from needing to transition. Yeah. But an additional layer of no one even knows what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah. So I'm just fully at sea and so he also probably felt like he was insane like you know sometimes maybe was like maybe i'm just going crazy you know what i mean 
You know, I also wonder too, just speculation station again, because I have no direct connection to this experience, but for for all the ways that it was more difficult, I almost wonder if sometimes in some ways it seems like there was something easier to it because there was this, the community that Einar and Lily both existed in seemed to be, you know, relatively accepting in terms of the people they were close to mm-hmm. um, because it's a smaller world back then. And I think now, despite all the extra... Um, all the many years of conversation and advancement, uh, you know, pr- progression in acceptance and things like that, you're still dealing with a much larger world mm-hmm. that you have to re-identify yourself in. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, God, imagine if Einar already had a, a Facebook presence, oh you know, with a thousand friends mm-hmm. that he also had to be considering. Sure. You know, that's I, I, I just think... It's so weird how our world has become more and less complicated at the same time. Yeah, and definitely. It's a definite trade-off. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, Einar's health was getting worse and worse. So they decided to go back to Paris where they knew more trustworthy doctors. So they left Rome and Fernando Porta behind and they went back to Paris where they told Einar that he was schizophrenic. And they put him under radiation treatment. And this almost killed him. Yeah, we're supposed to cure schizophrenia. Yeah, okay. let me just pump you full of radiation. Don't they know radiation is how you get the Incredible Hulk? Right. Which is uh, like even further version of schizophrenia <laughs> for the third worst reference in this episode. We're doing great so far. It's all me. I'll take it all. But yeah, I think this is interesting just to quickly interject. Yeah. Because Einar, of course, is talking about this as if he has multiple personalities, right? He's like, there's Lily and there's Einar living in my body. Yeah. However, to be told that he was schizophrenic was super offensive to him. He was yeah. like, I'm not schizophrenic. Right. Uh, it's not that. He did not feel that. Right. Multiple personality disorder type thing mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to point that out because, uh, you know, people nowadays try to say that if you're transgender, you just have a delusion or you right. have multiple personalities or you're sick in the head or something and you yeah. just need to go be corrected somehow by someone some way. I don't know why. Uh, yeah. I don't know how. What the fuck you're talking about. But I think it's important to say, no, there's no link between yeah. being transgender and having multiple personalities. That's it, not a thing. They were wrong then. And it's and it's wrong now. And yeah. I mean, objectively wrong. I don't even mean ethically wrong, which it's it also just, is. Yeah, it's but, just not correct yeah it's an incorrect diagnosis and it it's never worked right i think that just the two different people was the best way for einar slash lily to help us understand the struggle that was happening within her right she did again did not have many tools at her disposal to describe this situation it was part of the torment was that she didn't yeah so it was kind of just the best way for her to contextualize her own experience but there was no actual mental break when Lily came out. She always knew where she was. She yeah. had she remembered what she did as Lily and stuff. There's just it's not the same at all. Yeah. And now Einar tried to get lost in work more and more and lived more time as Lily. Mm-hmm. Their friend Claude Provost visited often and like Gerda, he recognized that Einar was happier and seemed healthier as Lily. Mm-hmm. So they both encouraged Lily to be around as often as she liked. Right. Claude was like, honestly, I prefer I prefer Lily. So, (laughs) right. (laughs) No offense, Einar. But I mean, (laughs) and 
when he was Einar, he ironically started to hear comments that he looked more and more like a woman impersonating a man. In the street, children would go to their mothers and be like, Hey, hey, mom, look at that lady in man's clothes. And the mom's like, shut up. We're late. Or church. Whatever they were doing that particular day. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, um, and when Lily was out and about, no one batted an eye. But when Einar was walking around, even, quote, dressed perfectly correctly and taking long masculine strides, whatever that means. I know, right? People thought that he was a woman dressed like a man. He was being misgendered no matter what he did. And it was kind of driving Einar crazy, making him more and more nervous and depressed. They saw a few more doctors, all of whom said Einar was suffering from an overactive imagination Mm -hmm. or that he was a homosexual and all he had to do was act like a man and he'd be fine. Ah, yes. If you just act like a man, you'll be more of one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. It's nonsense. (laughs) It's nonsense. Again, they're trying to assign a definition to what manhood is, to what masculinity is, to what straightness is, and none of that exists. So obviously... Right. Guess what? Surprise. It's not working. And weird to say that when he's like, at least I'm walking around wearing men's clothes, taking long masculine strides, (laughs) you know, and like I'm still having all these issues. It's not making me feel more like a man to do that, even though it's not a fake it till you make it situation. Right. Lily, you know, is not walking on the street thinking, boy, if I just took bigger steps, (laughs) I'd probably feel more like a man. Mm -hmm. That's not how it works. So, yeah, obviously this was terrible advice. It did nothing to help. And Einar was like, you know what? I'm not going to see another doctor ever again. All they do is humiliate me. They can't help me. No one understands what's going on with me. So he's kind of like, I'm doomed, and so is Lily. Neither of us are going to live. Mm. You know, he had decided he had till May 1st, you know. So he's like, that's when we're dying. Wow. And so basically he was like, my main thing now is to just pretend to be fine. I need to I need to pretend to be happier and like I don't have this plan to commit suicide. Yeah. Because if Gerda found out, she'd be really upset. And I don't want to upset Gerda. Mm. Um and so he's he writes about feeling more and more like a usurper in his own body, like even that he felt when he was Einar that he sh- that he should be Lily. You know, he's like, it's Lily's turn was kind of his feeling. I've Mm. had the body for this long as a man, and now Lily wants it. Mm. And it's her turn. And I feel like a mean to be taking up this space. Wow. Um, And he also said he found a lot of refuge in music because he wasn't forced to try to put his thoughts and feelings into words. Right. Which I really wanted to include because I think it really shows a lot about how much he struggled to tell people how he was feeling, yeah. what was really happening within him. It was really, really hard to yeah. tell people to describe. And and it was a further torment. It's interesting. This is another thing about why language evolution is so important, because mm-hmm. our language was built in a very binary structured system, and it is limited mm-hmm. in terms of how we describe things. There literally just aren't words sometimes. That's why we have to come up with new ones or redefine words and make them matter in certain ways. And people are always so resistant to that. They're like, oh, this language is, you know, it's so often the right. the closed-minded jokes are the same dumb jokes over and over again. I identify as a crayon. I saw yeah, somebody on yeah. Twitter the other day and I was like, no, you're that, no, you that's not what anyone is saying. Mm-hmm. You're just so, resi- it's very frustrating. It is. Um, and no, you don't. 
Well, yeah, awesome. I mean, obviously, no, you don't. But, uh, but yeah, you can really kind of appreciate how limiting our language is when trying to express these these concepts that are that are not new themselves, but are you know new in terms of being openly talked about. Yeah. But then one of their friends who knew about Lily told Einar that she had met a German doctor and wanted to introduce them. There's always there's always an experimental German doctor out there. <laughs> I know, right? Have you tried going to you. Germany yet? Now, this is... <laughs> <laughs> so Einar at first refused because he was totally done with doctors. I've seen them all. They all give me bullshit. It's mm-hmm. terrible. I feel worse after I leave. But she did convince him. And it was March of 1930. So Einar figured he only had a couple months left to live anyway. No matter what happened, Einar would die. Whether or not Lily lived was going to be up to this German doctor. So he went to see him. The doctor's name was Kurt Warnerkross, and he was a gynecologist and the head of the women's hospital in Berlin. Kurt examined Einar and told him that he thought Einar had underdeveloped female organs that were contributing to his identity problem. Kurt told him that if he wanted, Einar could first go to the Magnus Hirschfeld's Institute for Sexual Research to have his testicles removed, and then he could be admitted to the women's hospital in Berlin to be given experimental gender reassignment surgery. And now we're going to take a quick fling with history. Is there a doctor in the house? So Magnus Hirschfeld was a scientist who advocated for tolerance and acceptance of LGBTQ people. His Institute for Sexual Research saw around 20,000 people during its lifetime of operations and advocated for contraception, treatment of STDs, women's emancipation, and sex education. Uh, They did experiment with curing homosexuality Uh by transplanting the testicles of a heterosexual man onto a homosexual man. Oh, no. No, 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 It's so laughable to me now. I I guess I can see the logic, but it's very laughable uh, from... I don't know about logic. (laughs) (laughs) I can see the, like, sort of fantasy idea. I guess that's what I mean. Yeah. You know, just the progression of the idea, I guess. <laughs> but obviously that did not work. Yeah. And fortunately, this was the type of place that did not say, well, we're just going to keep trying. Yeah. <laughs> they just abandoned the idea well, of good. curing homosexuality. Yeah. And instead, they just kind of focused on, okay, you are homosexual and you live in a homophobic world. How can we make your life as comfortable as possible? How wow, do you damn. walk around and deal with this place? In 1930. Yeah, Amazing. seriously. And I mean, really leading, uh, really cutting edge, I guess you could say, yeah. in this t- in this field. Right. And they even saw poor patients for free. If there was like a poor person who was like dealing with these identity problems or a sexuality problem, they could come for free. God, amazing. Uh, they assembled a library of same-sex art, literature, and erotica, which of course did not exist Incredible. in anywhere else. Yeah. So that was really cool. And they were leading the research on transgender issues. They were kind of collecting a lot of data from many, many patients about transsexuality, hermaphroditism, intersexuality, all that kind of thing. And it was here that the very first complete male-to-female gender reassignment or gender affirmation or confirmation Mm -hmm. is, I think, more preferred. Yeah. So gender confirmation surgery was done on a woman named Dora Richter in 1931. Many people think that Lily was the first person to get a gender confirmation surgery, but really it was Dora. 
Um, and Dora was only six years old when she first tried to remove her penis with a knife. Wow. So Magnus and his fellow doctors and scientists really knew the lengths that some of their patients were willing to go in order to change their body yeah. to match what they felt inside. Yeah, that's they, amazing. It is. And it's yeah. so cool that they were like, you know what? Uh, if you're willing to do that, why should I sit here and tell you you don't feel that way and yeah. you just need to fucking figure it out? Like right. I should be doing I'm a scientist. I should be figuring out a way to make you your life more comfortable. I mean, and and more able to be lived. This is this is incredible. This place is amazing. Mm -hmm. Why have I not heard of it? Well, that's because of the fucking Nazis. <laughs> Unfortunately, in 1933, the Nazi party was coming into power in Germany, and they completely destroyed the entire institute. Its library, all of its records, all of its data, everything they had learned was gone. And it is believed that Dora was killed in their attacks on this hospital because she lived at, at the hospital. It's just, it's infuriating. I mean, you, you know when you think the worst people in the world ever... You think the Nazis, and then you continue to learn the horrible things that they did. I'm seriously like the the just it's so outrageous. The setback. Mm. I mean, can you imagine if this place had just been able to continue doing its research, how much further along we might be in this science today? Exactly. And acceptance, mm -hmm. and it just because they couldn't handle it, they destroyed it. And I'm I'm infuriated by by this and. And that I didn't know it mm -hmm. until we found this, yeah. that this place existed, this amazing place was really doing something. It, it, it almost even undoes some of the stuff I've been saying, because in a lot of ways, they did have the science and the language back then. And it was just put on reset. Yeah. It was just shut down. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, not in the same way that we do today, but... Um, we think of this time as being completely intolerant and, you know, well, it was it was almost 100 years ago. Therefore, it must have been totally impossible to live as a trans person or as a gay person when, in fact, there was a whole institute set up right. to study this. Yeah. And people who cared and were like, no, I want you to live a normal life. Mm -hmm. I want you to be accepted. Mm -hmm. There was a ton of intelligent scientists yep. and and people, I mean, people they knew who were totally okay with this. Yeah. And then some big fucking thing happened and shut that all down and we're still recovering from it. Yeah. We are not, it, it, this is not, what we're living in now is not normal. This was designed a long time ago. And it's really, I, I mean, it's frustrating to me. I can't imagine how frustrating it is to someone who has to live that experience. Right. Uh, and And like just, you know, again, Nazis didn't like anybody. You know what I mean? If you yeah. were at all out of, you know, the very, very rigid norm that they put together mm -hmm. for themselves, you were a fair game. Yeah. And so it's really telling to me that in the thir in 33, the first people they went for were gay people, yeah. were transgender people. And, and, you know, anyone that people kind of would go, yeah, I guess they are pretty gross. It's no. OK that you're doing that. I'm not going to protest. You know, you start with people that people are okay with you starting with. You know what I'm saying? You can't let them start. Easy targets, You yeah. can't let them start. Exactly. Exactly. Because eventually they get to you. Yep. Yep. But it's not 1933 yet in our story. It is mm -hmm. still 1930. And 
Dora had had a partial, Dora Richter had had her partial surgery at this point. She was living as a woman. And Kurt told Einar about Dora and was like, so do you want to also go to this institute? Get, go ahead and get your testicles removed. Then you can come to me and we can do this whole reassignment confirmation surgery yeah. that I've worked on. And again, this is the first time that anyone's actually said anything useful to right. Einar about his situation. Right. They, no one has really offered any kind of real solution or even real understanding about what's going on. So this is like a revelation of a meeting for yeah. him. Like yeah. he's like, holy shit. <laughs> This guy actually knows what I'm talking about, first yeah. of all. He's not dismissing it completely out of hand and saying I'm just sick in the head or gay. And on top of that, he has a solution for right. me. So, uh, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> He's like, boy, it's 1930 and who, and Germany is just the best place for me to go for my yeah. unique lived experience. You want to be tolerated and accepted and loved. <laughs> Germany's the place to go. Oh, man. So, yeah, he's he's like, you know what? I'm going to put my faith in this doctor's hands and I'm going to hope that he can save Lily's life. Amazing. Well, there's clearly so much to talk about here as we have been. I, um, <laughs> I think we have to take a break and come back for part two of this episode Yeah. to, to hear what happens with Lily and how she continues on in her life after after meeting this doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boy, this is a this is a eye opening episode. Uh, obviously, of course, this story was turned into the movie The Danish Girl, mm-hmm. um, starring Eddie Red- Redmayne. Uh, Tom Hooper directed it. Alicia Vikander, all that. We haven't seen it, no. um, and I know there's a lot of controversy in terms of the presentation um, and the discussion within that movie. And we're not going to get into that because we haven't seen it. And, and you know. It's true. I will say, I, I guess um, The Danish Girl is based on a book that a guy wrote about Lily. Mm. It's not based on Lily's own memoir. Right. So um, if you're interested in reading Man Into Woman, which is her memoir, uh, it's very hard to find a print copy of. But mm. it is free, available online to read. Okay. That's how I read it. Yeah. Um, and I totally recommend it because it's very... Just incredibly fascinating to hear how she tries to put words to what's going on with her. Right. And and her kind of transition is the best word, but yeah. just her transition from Einar to Lily is is really clear in this book as well. Yeah. And I mean it's important again, we're 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 cis people mm-hmm. um in a heteronormative relationship. Uh but it's still I think it's important for all of us to to learn these stories and to read about them and not just for normalization, which of course is very important, mm-hmm. but just you I I've there's things in here I'm learning, mm-hmm. you know, about okay. about identity, about myself, about the world, about history. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is totally changing my perception of history. Uh, in in a lot of ways, yeah. and a lot of our stories have done that. This this one no differently. So I think mm-hmm. it's still a really important conversation for all kinds of people to be having. Of course, as we're learning this, we're interested in learning from telling this story too. So if anyone has any feedback, please, uh, or anything they want to address, mm-hmm. of course we want to hear from you in that regard. Uh, you know, not just how we approached it, but how you felt about it, how you yeah. feel about the story of of Lily and Gerda in general, mm-hmm. and. Um, so please reach out to us. Of course, our email address is romance at iheartmedia.com. 
We're on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Dynamite Boom. And I'm at Oh Great, it's Eli. And the show is at Ridic Romance. So uh, please reach out. We'd love to hear from you. And, and don't miss part two of this episode uh, where we get to kind of wrap everything up. Uh, coming out this Friday. All right, bye. Bye. So long, friends, it's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.